We're going to talk about how uh, in life there are so many responsibilities that we all have. Uh, we, we have to work. Uh, if you don't have to work, real proud of you, keep it to yourself. But we, we have to work. We have to pay the bills. Uh, we've got to... Um, uh, did you know that a, a child from the age, from the time that it's born until the time that uh, he or she is 18 years old, uh, one study says that you will spend a hundred, no, $225,000, $225,000 dollars. Can you believe that? 200. Somebody said, "Oh yeah, I can believe it. 225. We've got responsibilities. Uh, and so, but in the process of responsibilities and achieving goals, the Bible is crystal clear that it's from the cares of this world that strangle the word of God. In other words, our spirit naturally gravitates. The Bible says that he puts eternity in our soul. Uh, that's why we're just consumed with what happens after we die. Even people who don't believe in Jesus are still consumed with the afterlife. You know, why are so many people? Because it's in us. When God put a heart inside of us, he also tucked in there eternity. So we're constantly thinking about eternity. But it's the cares of this world that will strangle that craving to find out more about God and live with him while we're here. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And so let's dive right into it. Exodus chapter 33, verse 7. We'll start reading. It was Moses's practice to take the tent of meeting and to set it up at some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, listen to this, this is so cool. All the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tent. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord... This, listen to this. This is just mind-blowing. The Lord would speak to Moses face-to-face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. He would remain behind. So I want you guys to visualize this just for a moment. Um, Moses is in this tent of meeting and he's worshiping God. And the Lord shows up and he's talking to God face to face. I don't know if they had a table in there with a chair on the other side of the table and they talked like two friends talk. 
Because that's how we talk, right? That's how we talk if we were to meet at Starbucks. I don't know what the setup was. But when Moses was done and he's walking out of the tent, Joshua, the Bible says, that this young man did not want to leave the tent. Now when I say young man, how old, do you look at the person next to you and just take a guess, how old do you think Joshua was? Just go ahead, look at the person next to you, take a guess. There you go, just, just take a guess. How many of you guessed five years up or five years down, 56? Really? Well, good on you. Because that's exactly how old he was, according to one theologian. 56 years old. So now watch this. You say, well, that doesn't sound young to me. Well, it was young in contrast to Moses. Moses was so much older than him that in contrast, he was younger. So Moses is leaving the tent and Joshua stayed a little longer. Now, I don't know at what point this happened to Joshua. But at some point along the way, maybe it was 8 years old, maybe it was 28, maybe it was 31, maybe it was 52, maybe it was that moment right there when he was 56. But at some point in his life, he tasted the presence of God and he does not want to leave it. Now, I want to just be completely uh, human for a minute. The idea for many of us in this room for praying, of lo- praying long periods of time, just it sounds like that would be nice, but it just seems logically impossible. When you have experienced a certain level of His presence, a Mack truck wouldn't be able to drag you out. And the only reason why it seems impossible to you is because you haven't tasted that much yet. The more you and I taste of Him, the more we experience of Him, the more we want of Him. It's kind of like eating one potato chip. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So here, Joshua, he doesn't want to leave the presence of God. It's my hope today to talk about how to cultivate that kind of relationship because I don't know about you, I've I've reached that point in my life that the car and the house and the clothes, it doesn't nearly matter as much as it did when I was 14 or 15 years old. Has anyone already reached that point? if, If God is, and I know He is, in our presence, then I want to experience as much as I can. Is there anyone with me on that? Is there anyone? All right, now, uh, we're just going to press pause. I, I know some of you have a Catholic background. You have a Methodist background. Um, I was raised Pentecostal, a.k.a. energetic. So when, I'm going to do that again. And I'm going to say, does anyone want the presence of God? And just for a split second, I just want you to act Pentecostal. No, you don't have to run. You don't have to run. 
You don't have to run around the building. I give you Catholics permission to clothesline them (laughs) if they start running. All right? But I just want you to just make any sound you want. You can go, woo-hoo, oh my, oh me, or oh, oh, or, or whatever you want. You can whistle, you can clap. But let's try that again. Is there anyone here that you're just craving more of the presence of God? Now, time out. Here's another question for you. Now, listen carefully because it could almost be confusing. Is there anyone here that you wish you craved more of the presence of God? Does that make sense? Now, watch this. For those of you that didn't quite get that, it's kind of like saying, I wish I wanted to work out and eat vegetables. Have you ever said that? I I wish I did. So in in a very human moment, I wish I wanted to love him more. I wish my desire was higher. Does that make sense? Is there anyone here in that category? All right. Now, Now we're awake and we're cooking with grease, okay? In order to do that, let me circle around this thing now. In order to be a Joshua where you just don't want to leave the presence. You may be done, but I'm, I'm just getting started. We have to develop a practice. Now, this has changed my life. A time, B time, and C time. A time, B time, and C time. Let me explain. My prayer time is around 7 a.m. Now, if something happens at 7 a.m., I get a phone call. I open up my computer and I realize I've got 50 emails. The dog just peed on the carpet. Random things. And my prayer time is now booted to take care of the urgent. If I have an appointment with someone and the only time they could meet was 7 So now what happens when you plan on praying, but you just get busy? Maybe some of you in this room, you don't have a specific time, but you intend wholeheartedly, I'm going to start praying starting tomorrow. And then it just doesn't happen. And so what happens at that point is because we miss our initial prayer time, then we just say to ourselves, well, I'll just pray all day. In place of my prayer time. Have you ever thought that? Don't be a super Christian. Be honest, okay? See, some of you are, are, uh, you've heard me say this before, you're you're oversaved. Okay? You're you're oversaved. You're saved, but like oversaved. Like you're in an elevator and someone says, I need to go down to the second floor. And your response is, just as long as you're not going down to hell. <laughs> you're oversaved. I say, man, I lost my keys. Well, as long as you don't lose your soul. It's like. <laughs> oversaved. So if you're oversaved, 
get saved. <laughs> How's that one work? So when you miss it, you say, oh, I'm just going to pray all day since I missed my prayer time. So this practice has changed my life. A time, 7 a.m. That's my A time. Now, if something happens and I can't pray at my A time, I have in my iPhone an alarm set for A time, B time, and C time. And so I look at my schedule the next day and I say, okay, I got a 9 o'clock appointment, I got a 10.30 appointment, and I don't have anything during my lunch hour, and my next appointment doesn't even start till 1.30, I can stick in a... And so I set my alarm right there. So I have my alarm in my phone set for my A time, B time, and C time. So I'm going to have my appointment. Now watch this. This is so important. So you go in and you have to ask yourself this question right away. Okay, here's my A time. This is the big question. Can I stop my day right now without anything bad happening? Sometimes the answer is no. I will get fired if I stop my day right now. So you go to your B time. You say, well, Frankie, uh, I work at a place that even if I say grace over my food, thank you, Jesus, I might get bopped in the head. I'm so sorry for that. So don't put your A, B, or C time during work hours. You'll get bopped in the head. Before work, lunch hour, or after. If I've done it once, I've done it a thousand times. I go into the restroom. Go to the handicap stall, close the door, get a whole bunch of paper towels, lay them down, get on my knees, and I pray. Now you say, well, what happens if you get caught? Wouldn't that be awkward? How am I going to get caught? Is a guy going to take his head and stick it underneath the door? I've got bigger problems. Are you with me? I've got bigger problems. A time, B time, C time. So you ask yourself the question, can I stop for 30 minutes? Okay, now here's the next one. This is big. Never, 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 ever, 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 don't ever pray on an A time, B time, or C time without a pen and paper. Ever. This is why. When I'm praying, oh, Lord, I love you, Jesus. I love you. I love you. Oh, I left the dog at the vet. I better go right now. Prayer time over. Lord, I love you so much. I love you. Oh, forgot to call that guy back. I got to call right now. Prayer time over. Are you with me? But when you pray with a piece of paper, now every single Saturday night from 8 to 9 o'clock, our team, and all of you are welcome, prays in the youth room. And, and I will walk around with a piece of patoy. Can you give me a, an offering envelope? Yeah. It's what most people play hangman on. It's, yeah, there we go. So I will pray with, you will see me stop 
and write something down. I'm either writing one of two things down. One is some random thought that I need to do as soon as I'm done praying. Boom. The minute I write it down, I'm not even thinking about it. I know I'm going to take care of it. The second thing I might be writing down is something I feel the Lord just kind of dropped into my heart that I need to do or say, and then I'll write that down. But whatever, we're not stopping the train. This is my appointment time. If you are taking notes with like the heading being number one and then A, B, and C, uh, your A, uh, I'm sorry, your C at this point is going to be the first few minutes of your prayer time. Because the first two to three minutes, if you're like me, it's like running in mud. Now, every once in a while, I'll start praying and it's like, what? Not usual. Usually, it starts off like a plane on a runway. Have you ever been taxiing around and you're like, if we go around this airport one more time... I'm going to be on the news. I'm going to go crazy if we go around one more time. So my prayer time is usually like a, a plane that just and takes off. But this is the first few minutes. Now, why do I start off this way? Because the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So the first thing we want to do is change the atmosphere because whatever room we're in, we want God to saturate the atmosphere. So here we go. I'm going to pretend like you guys aren't even here. Is that okay? Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, time out. Why am I praying like this? Several reasons. Number one, I'm really focusing. Number two, I'm putting all of my energy into this. There are times where the Lord is our shepherd, I shall not want. That prayer, you can get away with it. But there's other times that you've got to have some passion to light yourself on fire. You have to. So here's the first thank you. And I will think of everything to say thank you about. Thank you that my kids are not in the hospital. Thank you that I'm not in the hospital. Thank you that every breath I take, you're giving it to me. Thank you that I have a job. Thank you that I have a house. Thank you that I have a car. Thank you that you have forgotten all of my sins. Thank you that you keep on forgiving me of all of my sins. Lord, you forgive me faster than I forgive me. Thank you. And on and on. And sometimes you'll get caught up in saying thank you. It will take the whole appointment. But then after you're done saying thank you, now you can go into request mode. God has saturated the atmosphere. And now you say, Lord, I need my boss to get fired. (laughs) I don't know how you're going to do that. But if you can burn a bush on fire and part the Red Sea, you can get the boss fired. And then you start your petitions. Okay? So I'm going to give you five points. Are you guys ready? Number one, the reason why we have to look at a Joshua and and adopt this A time, B time, and C time to cultivate that passion. Number one is 
apprehension. Paul says it like this in Ephesians, I think it's 3 verse 12. He says it like this. He goes, oh, that I may apprehend. He says, not that I've already done this. I haven't done it yet. But what I do do is I forget everything that's happened behind me. I forget the fact that I've been inconsistent. I forget the fact that I've just been a horrible sinner. I forget the fact that I've got a bad mouth. I forget the fact that I forget all of it. I forget it all. And I strain towards the future that, watch this, that I may apprehend that which has apprehended me. Now, apprehend is not a word that we use in our, voc- our vernacular. What apprehend means is to take hold of. And so Paul is saying, you have a hold of me. I can't skip church two Sundays in a row and you're already grabbing my conscience and rattling me. I can't cuss one time, even when he cuts me off and it was his fault. You're already making, you're already pulling my heart. You're, for, since I was a little kid, been pulling my heart. You're always on my mind. Even, even when I'm acting a fool, you're still on my mind. You got a hold of me. Paul is saying, oh, that I may apprehend that which has apprehended me. Paul is saying, look, if you're going to grab a hold of my heart, then I want to grab a hold of your heart. Not that I've done this and not that I'm already there. But the one thing I do do is forget what's behind and I strain towards the future that I may do it. Could you imagine if God has a hold of your heart and you have a hold of his heart? I mean, that's kind of sweet. Number two, everyone say number two. Number two of five points is appetite. It changes your appetite. If you're taking notes, write this down. You crave your diet. My brother Nathan and I used to have something in common uh, as it relates to food. Uh, Jack in the Box. Anyone familiar with the 99 cent special for tacos? I said... (laughs) Those tacos... Raise your hand if you've never had those tacos. You've never had... See, you're missing out. You're missing out. I know you think it's dog food, and it may be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is when you don't have money and you're getting two of them for 99 cents, we'll discuss the dog food some other time. Just put a lot of hot sauce on it. Just bury it down. Oh, my goodness. I remember going to North Shore High School, and there was a jack-in-the-box right around the corner from our high school, and I used to pound those tacos, get like 12 of them. (laughs) When you look at your fingers and you can see yourself, there's some greasy in there. It's greasy. When you eat jack-in-the-box tacos 24-7 and then you get hungry and your diet is jack-in-the-box tacos, when you get hungry, you crave your diet. You go, man, I need me some jack-in-the-box tacos. But if you shift your diet, you don't eat that stuff anymore. Now you like chicken salad. 
hypothetically. So you like chicken salad. And you're eating chicken salad all the time. Every day you eat chicken salad. Every single day you eat chicken salad. When you get hungry, you crave your diet. You, I need me some chicken salad. Do you see how your appetite shifts? When your appetite for sinful things, things that are not godly, when it's really strong and it's so hard. Have you ever said, I'm not going to cuss anyone out anymore. No more, no more, no more, no more, no more, no more. All right, that's it. <laughs> it's so hard to move from this appetite to this appetite and turn the cheek. And like, hey, I'm going to turn one cheek, but not the other. So don't get happy. It's... It's, it's so hard. And watch this. When you spend time in his presence, he changes your appetite. Remember this forever and ever. Flesh cannot fix flesh. So if your flesh is addicted to something that you know is not godly, your flesh cannot fix flesh. You can't say, from now on, I'm never... You can't do that. Only spirit can conquer flesh. So you got to get your A time, B time, and C time. And in the process, Psalms 56, 9 in the Living Bible, it says, every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. So you have this battle. Ah! And you just, I'm not even going to worry about the battle. I'm not even going to try to stop I'm just going to worship God. And he then sends his angels and begins to turn the battle for you. And then you look at things that used to, are you with me? Used to slow you down. Now it looks like a joke. Are you with me? Here we go. What number are we on? Point number four. You can clap. Absolutely. Point number three is aware. To be aware of his voice. To be aware of his voice. You know, did you catch that uh, in Jeremiah 33.3? It says this. Hey, call out to me. And I will share with you things that you do not know. Things that you do not know. Jeremiah 33.3. Can you imagine having that kind of relationship? Not the kind of relationship where like, Jesus... Um, uh, no, this kind, where he begins to whisper his thoughts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, No man knows my thoughts except for my own spirit. And I've taken my spirit and I've put it in you so that you will know my thoughts. Now, some of you, I just feel the Spirit of God speaking to me. Some of you are almost thinking, Frankie, you don't know me. This is a great message, but you don't know me. You don't know what I've done, and you don't know what my life is like. I would say back to you, you're right. But let me introduce you to Jesus, because he doesn't care. He doesn't care what your life was like up until this moment. He cares more about your position 
and your direction than he cares about your past. He does not, he can just, he's God. He can change it all. And when we don't know him, we begin to, when we haven't studied his ways, we make up his ways. This is how God is. You know, I, I heard this guy on TV the other day. He goes, hey, so, so uh, let me get this right. God multiplied fish and bread to feed 5,000 people. He goes, what kind of bread? <laughs> like garlic bread? <laughs> Bam. Garlic bread. And I'm listening to this guy in my living room and I'm laughing my head up. He Bam, bagels. Bagels for everybody. <laughs> And I'm listening to this guy. Croissants. Boom. Bam. Croissants. Fish and croissants. Boom. And and I'm thinking, when you don't know anything about God, you end up filling in the blank yourself. Are you with me? This is why it's so important. A time, B time, C time. Because then, here's something. Whenever we pray, God will either change the problem or he'll change your perspective. See, sometimes once we see it from a different perspective, we don't even care that the problem is still there. Because you see it from a different perspective. It's kind of like sitting on the highway and you're, you're leaning on your horn because they're driving two miles an hour. And then you catch up and you realize that it's a lady who's handicapped and you're the one who feels like the idiot now. She's still going slow. What happened? You got more information. And sometimes it's just our perspective that changes. A time, B time, and C time. Where the Lord begins to whisper into you things that we didn't know. And this is his desire. What number are we on? Number four. The effect. That we may have an effect on our sphere of influence. Watch this scripture. I don't know if we have it on the screens, but it says this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15. We do not exceed our due limits and take credit for another man's labor. But we entertain the hope that as your faith grows, we shall gain promotion among you, still keeping within our own sphere. Everyone say our own sphere. One, two, three. Oh, you sound good. Say it again. One, two, three. Promotion. To a larger field, a.k.a. sphere, of labor. Let me see if I can illustrate this. Randall, come on up here real quick. Um, Randall, I I don't know where Randall works. Okay, come on up here, right up here. I I don't know where Randall works. I don't know the name of his company. And I don't know any of his employees. I don't know all the members in his family. I, I don't know his whole family tree. I don't know. But whoever they are, that is his sphere of influence. Now, if you can just stand right here. He doesn't know the people who live on my street. He doesn't know all the people in my family. That's my sphere of influence. Now, here's a, let's take our church mask off just for a second. You ready? Here comes some honesty. 
there's some people in that sphere would like to not be in that sphere. Have you ever wanted to kick someone out of the sphere? (laughs) I've been thinking. I don't want to see you anymore, ever. (laughs) I had a friend of mine who programmed her phone, changed the guy's name, and replaced it with the devil. So every time it calls, (laughs) the caller ID says the devil. She knows not to answer it. You want to just kick people out of your sphere. But you can't do that. In fact, you're responsible for the sphere. That's your field. Your kids, that's your field. Are you dating someone? That's your field. Your husband, your wife, that's your field. That's your sphere. And you will be held accountable for those people. And the way we handle that sphere, the end of that verse was, he will give you a larger field. Sometimes we ask God for a promotion when we are not taking care of what we got. Are you with me? You did a good job. Give Randall a round of applause. When you are spending A time, B time, and C time, while you're praying, you begin to see your sphere differently. You begin to see from his perspective. And now, you're not just serving God, you're living with God. One working definition of prayer is living life with God. Last and final point, point number five. Abundance. That you may have a spring of living water swelling up inside of you. You know, I was thinking about the woman at the well whenever I hit this verse. The woman at the well had a horrible marriage times five. (laughs) Are you with me? Some of you know somebody who's in a bad marriage. Try being in five bad marriages all at the same time. Jerry, Jerry. (laughs) That's what that is, all right? Because... (laughs) You never know what Frankie's going to say. Because Jesus walked up to her and said, tell me about your husband. And she says, I'm not married. Wrong answer. He goes, you know what? You're right. You're not married to a guy. You're actually married to five guys. So those relationships are terrible. Financially. I've experienced financial burden before. 99% of this room, unless you're Paris Hilton, who's born, you're a millionaire. How fair is that? Putting a a diamond pacifier in her mouth. You're an heir to $50 billion. For the rest of us, we've experienced either right now or you've been in it before. When you are financially stressed to the max, you're never not thinking about it. You understand what I'm saying? It's always in the back of your mind. Even when you're laughing, you're still thinking about it. 
And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's just because you've never been there. When you are strapped and you're trying to squeeze two cents out of one penny, you're never not thinking about it. You're never all the way happy. You're so strapped. This is that woman. Her marriage is bad. She's financially strapped. She has no circle of friendship. She has nothing. Nothing. And Jesus looks at her and says this. I'm going to give you a well within you. And what's so interesting is he never said, I'm going to fix your problems. He never said that. But I'm going to put a well within you that's going to give you so much life. Your problems are going to feel so small. I had a friend of mine tell me one time, he goes, I got some things I want to talk to God about when I get there. But I know when I get there, it's not going to matter anyway. And when that spring gets put in you, you just fly over it. It just can't pull you down. Sarah, uh, I, I preach eight out of ten Wednesday nights. And um, sometimes seven out of ten. But Sarah preaches when I don't. And last Wednesday, she preached a message called Living Life in a Sigh. This is a sigh. When your life is a sigh. And she pointed how how a sigh is at the corner of I can't go any further, but I can't quit. You're right there. A single mom knows exactly what I'm talking about. I can't go one more day. But I can't quit either. A marriage that is being held together with duct tape and super glue, but they have kids. And the kids are the only thing that's holding them together. I can't go one more day, but I can't quit. That's when your life is a sigh. Because when you sigh... And Sarah did some research on this, that it is a biological way of your body resetting itself. In that moment right there, and I know this from playing basketball in high school, when you shoot a free throw, you'll see people go, because that one moment right there is more relaxing than any drug on the street biological and it's instinctive and it's a psychological and emotional reset button and she found out that the average human being sighs 72 times a day and most of those you don't even know you're doing it but it's your body going reset regroup Yeah, I never quite know how the service is going to end because I never plan it. But I just feel like there's just a lot of people in this room. I just talked about where you live. I just walked right up to your door. You're living in a sigh. I got two things to tell you. Number one, this A time, B time, and C time, that's your lifeline. 
That is your lifeline. This is the most important sermon you have ever heard in your life. This is your, that's your lifeline. But number two, I can sense and feel the presence of God in this room. We're going to pray for you this morning. You're going to walk out that door a different person. Let me say that scripture again, Psalms 56, 9. Every time you pray, the tide of your battle turns.